This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I'm so glad you are here. I love hanging out with people who are motivated to be more and do more. It's exciting to be surrounded by positive people who want to grow and live to their full potential. I know that's you or you wouldn't have landed here. My goal in bringing you this podcast is to help you take control of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. Thank you for spending some time with me today. This is episode 024, How to Unbusy Yourself and Restart Your Life with Amanda Smetaniak. There is a famous saying that goes, every day is a chance to change your life. I don't know if that quote inspires you, but if you are curious about how that can apply to your life, this conversation is for you. Life is very full for most of us these days. We have a lot to juggle between our personal and professional responsibilities, and if we aren't careful, we may become so busy doing life, we don't get a chance to enjoy it. Then there is also the fact that life can happen. We experience crisis, trauma, and personal hardship, and in the blink of an eye, life as we know it is changed forever. In today's episode, we talk about the power of choice, how each day is a new opportunity to start over, and about finding joy even after significant hardship. We discuss strategies for parenting, reinventing yourself when things don't go as planned, and the steps you can take to unbusy your life. Today's guest is someone I am really excited for you to meet. Since the first time we met, she has inspired me, and I know that will be your experience as well. Amanda Smetaniak is the mother of three, an entrepreneur, and a woman with an incredible story of achieving her goals while moving through significant adversities. From the time she became a single mother at the age of 16, Amanda decided not to allow her circumstances to define her potential a decision she would have to make again and again as she faced immense and unexpected traumas throughout her life. Her story is one of a rising above the expectations the world set for her and growing through life's hardships to achieve those successes that she envisioned for herself. Welcome to the show, Amanda. I am so happy that you are here. Do you want to say hello before we go ahead and get started? Sure. Uh, Hello, everyone. Thanks, Corliss, for having me. I'm really excited to be here talking with you today. 
Oh, me too. I remember our very first time that we met and I just remember us talking and talking and talking and almost to the point that I got a parking ticket. So I'm really excited to share everyone with you today and I'm really grateful that you're here. So I today we're talking about new beginnings and how every day is really a chance to start again. I think I'd like to jump right into that thought today by getting you to share maybe a few of your personal life experiences that have helped you recognize that every day is truly a new beginning. Sure. So I think for myself, when I when I think about that concept, I think that initially, you know, when I we're, we're, we sort of hear that a lot in our lives, right? Like, oh, don't stress about it. Every day is a new beginning, those types of things. But, you know, we start to move through life. And um, in my experience, how I've sort of learned that lesson of each day is, you know, kind of like the first day of the rest of our lives sort of thing is by having experienced some pretty significant um, events in my life that have kind of been like those, you know, those life-changing moments where it's like that stage and phase of your life is completely over and you're literally now living the first day of the rest of your life so you know divorce was a big one um in in having to move through that a career change was another really big one and then also just in um uh, i lost one of my children um 20 months ago to suicide that was also a really big one and then here i find myself now at you know 37 years old um embarking on having another child you know and so there's these these stages and phases and these things that happen um in life and you sort of start to you know realize that there's these new beginnings everywhere and when you start to embrace that concept then you really can you know wake up each day and you know that today's a new beginning to you know how i'm going to approach whatever it is that's coming anything that was happening yesterday you know ends when that day ends you're you wake up to a whole new day of opportunity a whole new day of possibilities some of the things that you've kind of outlined here are, are pretty significant things. And I think we have, even every day, we have different things that are maybe smaller and we don't recognize them as like major life shifting events. But perhaps you could just talk a little bit because you've had the experience of divorce and career change and losing a child. I mean, my goodness, anybody who's listening is going to relate to those as just really hard things. So tell us a little bit more about how you're able to navigate that. Yeah, well, I think one, one of the things that I sort of always say is that I, I feel like everything that I experienced in my life up until the point of losing my son, Ethan, was to make me strong enough to be able to deal with that. And so, you know, there, there were definite times in my life when, you know, these things were happening where it seemed earth shattering, where it seemed like my world was ending, like I had lost my identity, all of those sorts of things. And it feels kind of foolish to look back on those things now and see how much they affected me and impacted me at the time. And then, you know, I went through something like losing a child and, you know, not that I want to pat myself on the back too much, but I, I do believe that I'm handling this, this loss in, in, you know, a way that sort of, it impresses and inspires myself. I'm, I don't, I don't necessarily know where all of that's coming from, but I think that, you know, the strength and the, the ability to sort of move through these kinds of things comes from the wisdom in knowing that 
we can get through them. So when we start moving through our lives and we experience, you know, we, it's not like you experience divorce every day of your life. It's not like you experience a career, a massive career shift every day of your life. So when these things are happening, it kind of breaks down that image in your mind of who you identified yourself as, where you saw your life going, all of these sorts of things. And sometimes it can really feel like, you know, everything is all piling up at once. And so I think that having gone through you know, and the things that we've touched on are just, you know, uh, there's, there's many other things that have happened, happened in the course of my life. But um, I, I think that what ends up happening is we move through, we come out the other side, we see the light, our life starts to become more in line with what we want it to be. So now, at this stage in my life, and you know, I'm not testing the universe in any way. I feel like I've had my, my share and I don't need any more testing right now. But um, I really do carry the attitude that there's nothing that this life and this world can throw at me that I can't get through. Well, as someone who watched your journey, I actually want the audience to kind of know a little bit about how I stumbled upon Amanda. We come from the same hometown and uh, just not even exactly sure but somehow we connected on social media and I was following her and watching her journey and after she lost her son my heart like as a mother I just was grieving with you and I wanted to reach out to get to know Amanda better so I reached out to her and I you know asked her if she would have coffee with me and sure enough she was willing to and as I think about that very first conversation that we had and ever since then, you know, watching you rise up and inspire other people and I often wonder where does she get her strength from and how does she do that? So I almost feel like this conversation is just like one more step of you, I guess, sharing your wisdom through your experience and I'm just honestly so inspired by you and I know that anyone who's been a parent or has suffered loss of a child is um, going to be inspired by you. None of us can really imagine what you've gone through and your resilience and your strength is awe-inspiring, it truly is. What would you say to the person who is suffering right now? So whether they're suffering from a loss or grieving something significant, whatever it is that someone's personal experience might be, but they would be in a, a state of suffering. What would you want to say to that person right now? Right. And so I, I actually find myself in this situation a lot um, based in the work that I do being a hypnotherapist. I work with people one-on-one -on -one who are oftentimes suffering hugely from things that are happening in their lives and you know sometimes these clients will know about my experience because it's very public I'm very public in sharing my grief journey and those types of things and other people don't but I find for the people who do there's always this sense of you know oh I don't want to burden you with like my small problems you're going through so much all of those kinds of things and I'm always quick to correct them and let them know that you know while our circumstances might be different that create our trauma, that create our grief, that create our suffering, those emotions are still the same and they affect us in similar ways. You know, just as I sort of mentioned, when, from, from my personal experience, you know, I always, you know, I, when I talk to people and they ask about losing Ethan, one of the things that I say is 
what it's it hasn't been the hardest time in my life it's been the most tragic time in my life it's been the scariest time in my life in terms of really having a deep understanding that it's so important to be getting this right because the other side of this is just is just far too dangerous but truly for me the hardest time in my life when i think back on it you know even beyond being a young teenage mom on my own and all putting myself through university it was when my career changed and that came unexpectedly it was this really sort of stressful traumatic experience that you know had a pretty significant impact on me over the course of a few years and of course when you're vulnerable and you're um you kind of lost your the a sense of who you are and you come from a background of you know um, abuse and abandonment and those types of things I was sort of open up to all of that you know my life was probably one of the, the the darkest places that it's ever been so I always just try to encourage people that when they're suffering to honor the fact that there's nothing wrong with suffering that they don't have to try and you know they don't have to justify it they don't have to try and make it go away when you when you're feeling a certain way and you consciously know that you shouldn't be feeling that way and you beat yourself up about it, you keep that energy active. So the best thing to do is to honor yourself, to recognize like, hey, yeah, there are a lot of people out in the world who are dealing with way more intense, way tougher things than I am, but this thing has impacted me and this is the way that it's affecting me. Get an understanding for it, get an appreciation for it, understand what it's trying to teach you about yourself and move through it. Don't stay stuck there because you don't think that you should be there. Mm. Almost like don't really diminish your own human experience. Whatever it is that you're feeling is what you're feeling and that's okay. Exactly. So talk a little bit more about that. Like how can we honor those feelings but yet not allow them to dictate our full life experience as it is right now? Well, I think what we want to do is we want to recognize them and then we want to, you know, as I was sort of mentioning, validate them, recognize that it makes sense that we're feeling the way that we're feeling based on our own personal experiences. Um, but then really focus on doing the work to move through it. And so what that looks like is different for, for all people. But I think the, the very key thing is to not allow yourself to stay stuck in a place of guilt and shame um, about how you're feeling so that you can, you know, be guilt and shame. They're such, you know, fear-based things. They keep us stuck. They stop our momentum. They stop us from moving forward. So we recognize, you know, a thought comes. So for example, with myself now, a thought comes into my mind. It might be a true thought on a conscious level. It might make sense to me, but is it helpful? You know, does it, does it warrant sort of expanding, you know, that getting, getting lost in that or do, um, you know, or do I recognize that, oh, it's totally normal and rational that I would have that thought in this situation, but then let it go. You know, I guess one of, one of the examples that I sort of have in my mind right now is, um, as you know, and, you know, as I've mentioned, I've been very public in my, um, in my grief journey and that's part of my healing process and it helps me battle those feelings of guilt and shame around a whole bunch of things and um recently i uh, a sort of additional part and piece of ethan's story i had published through 
um, a pretty prominent website. And so it's created a lot of media interaction and a lot of reaching out from people far and wide. And, you know, um, the night that Ethan died, Ethan died by uh, jumping off of the Broadway Bridge here in Saskatoon, um, right after he passed away. And, you know, I've never talked about this before, but right after I, right after he passed away and we're sort of dealing with all of the details, I was talking with the police officers, trying to get an understanding of what sort of happened in his final moments. And, you know, I had to be very careful in the beginning about like, how much information do I need to know? Is this information helpful? Am I re-traumatizing myself? All of those sorts of things. So, of course, there's this police file that outlines all of these sorts of just the the events of the night. So I can, as Ethan's mother, apply for all of that information. I have to do it through a freedom of information application. But, you know, I kind of decided through talking with victim services, through talking with the police officers who shared what was in the reports with me, that maybe that wasn't necessary, you know, knowing all of the, the details wouldn't ever really, you know, it, does, it doesn't bring Ethan back. But as it does sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've had incredible stories, people messaging me from, you know, all over the world, people who, you know, didn't know Ethan, but were connected because their student in their class was their older brother was friends. And there's these beautiful, beautiful stories. And then there's the not so beautiful side, right? Like I had a, I had a phone call yesterday from a woman who said that one of the people who had witnessed Ethan jump from the bridge was making a lot of claims that were contradictory to, to what I was stating. And I mean, my typical response as a person, it would usually to get, to get really upset about that. Like who has the right to sort of re-traumatize us and make us question what actually happened that night and why would somebody want to, you know, sort of open all of that up. But the place that I was able to come to rather than letting myself even get stuck there was like, no, I'm not even going to put a whole bunch of thought there. I'm going to make a phone call to the police. I'm just going to let them know what I've been told and just confirm what I, what I know. And I did that, you know, and today I had a lovely conversation with the police officer who was there with Ethan, had everything reconfirmed, but it was like myself five years ago, two years ago, even if somebody had said something like that, it would have ignited so much anger and so many harmful emotions within, within me that I would have lost all of the time that I had in, you know, these last 24 hours, feeling all of those negative emotions, feeling the, the damage that, you know, that like really getting lost in all of that. So, I mean, I guess that's a really long winded way to say that it's kind of like you've got to compartmentalize. It's like, okay, here is the thing that I am dealing with and I'm going to deal with it as more information comes. I'm going to engage with it, but I'm not going to let it eat up and destroy all of my time. I'm actually humbled just that you would even share that part of your story. Thank you for that. So I think what I'm hearing here is that with practice and like real making a real conscious effort to recognize and acknowledge the feelings and then validate them, you know, like I said, what you're feeling is what you're feeling and, and that's okay. And then just focus on moving through. That's what I heard the three steps are. And if we just really practice those and, you know, are very intentional in how we move through that, then we should get to a place where it becomes easier. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that one of the things that's really important is, you know, when we just say those things, right, it's like feel the feeling, validate them, and then move through. It's like, it feels like we're, we're making light of it. It's like, well, you know, when you, I'm, I'm sure you've had these times in your life as well, when we're really in it. And it's like, whatever's happening in our life, whatever the latest crisis is, it's, it's encompassing all of our thoughts. And, you know, you hear this kind of stuff, well, you know, just like, sit with it and move through it. And it's like, okay, well, what does that actually mean, you know? And so I think that like, if we break those steps down a little bit further, the validation just comes from an understanding that we don't need to beat ourselves up for how we're feeling. That it's like, it, it's like, okay, it makes sense that I'm having this reaction. Do I want to go down a path that I, of behavior and reaction and response that I've leaned on in the past because I've needed to for safety or to protect myself or to survive? Or do I want to do this differently? I know how that reaction, that response is going to keep me stuck. So the moving through, well, that becomes one of the things where it's like, there's no magic answer for how we move through the things, but the one piece of advice that I come back to all the time um, that my therapist shared with me shortly after Ethan passed away, I had said to her, I mean, I'd, I'd come in for my, see her once a month and I'd come in for my monthly session and she was, I was, I think three months after Ethan had passed. And she said, how are you doing? And I was like, you know, I think, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I just have this overarching feeling like my life is over. And, you know, I would say that to people prior and, you know, what, what a, hard thing for people to respond to right but the typical response was always oh your life didn't end it's just different and um, my therapist said to me she's like Amanda your life did end it ended when Ethan jumped off that bridge and it started again right after stop trying to be an adult in this new life you are literally an infant in it and your only job is to figure out what feels good and create space for more of that and, you know, there would have been times in my life where figure out what feels good and make space for that would have involved doing things that were, you know, I would have defined as quote unquote fun that would be more about numbing out feelings than sitting in the process and going through it. So I think that's just a really important thing for, for people to, to remember is that there is no answer, but by trying to stay in that place of like, what is best for me? How do I want this to turn out differently than it's turned out before? And while, you know, you might not, you might be facing an experience that you had never been through before, but if you look at your patterns of how you respond to crisis, how you respond to grief, how you respond to turmoil in your life, oftentimes it's our responses that create that lingering damage and pain. Mm, I like that. And you know, right from the start, I remember, I don't know if you'll remember or not, but you shared that story with me. And I know that's been guiding you for a, a long time about what your therapist, you know, offered up for you. And I think sometimes when we're stuck in that feeling, like it's just such devastation that it really is just hard to pull ourselves out of it. And it's not that we shouldn't acknowledge it, but we do have to acknowledge that we do have a choice, right? Like we can either stay there and stay stuck in it, or we can really try to move through it, you know, by by the three steps that you've given us already. It actually reminds me a little bit about, um, in my story about going through divorce. And I remember being 40 years old and thinking I was I was set up in this little tiny apartment with my kids and there wasn't space for me to have an office 
because there was four of us and there was only two bedrooms. So I had kind of taken the closet where you would of the apartment where you would normally put a little apartment size deep freeze and kind of converted it into a closet and that was my little space where I would go and and I would sit there and a lot of times I was playing victim to my circumstance where I was just like I can't believe this has happened this is not where I thought my life was going to end up I mean I was devastated I was grieving I had no idea how I was gonna you know start over and I you know, ended up being in that little office one night. And I remember thinking to myself, I have a choice at this point. I can either, you know, sit here and dwell on all of the things that have gone wrong and how I ended up here, or I can start, I can acknowledge how I'm feeling, recognize that this isn't where I wanted my life to end up at this stage of my life. And, you know, somehow that validation that it was okay, gave me permission to start thinking about solutions and start moving forward and, you know, focusing on the future instead of what was happening in the moment. I think you've uh, touched on a very important point there, uh, Corliss, and that is in this um, concept of choice. Um, we cannot be in control of how our lives play out. We can't be in control of the crises and the tragedies and the life, just the life changes that we're going to have. But I think that what we do is in those moments be able to make that choice that you know this is either going to break me or this is going to move me forward so yes in divorce you know of course it's such divorce is such a you know a space filled with so many different emotions the shame the guilt the guilt that we have related to our children and you know just how that you know i feel like so many people as parents can just relate to this concept of parent guilt and it really you know, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are, no matter how perfect or unperfect things are going as parents, we're always carrying a lot of guilt about the way things, things go for our children. And so being able to recognize that power of choice in the directions that we want to move, and then also recognizing that as we kind of move through these crises with our children by our sides, we're actually giving them space and the freedom to be able to learn that their lives don't have to be perfect, that their lives won't be perfect, and that they shouldn't have those expectations for themselves. And we can, you know, by instead of turning our back towards these crises that we go through, you know, no matter how big, no matter how small, you know, it's like I look back on so many of the things that I went through in my life, and I think I was very communicative with my children, but there was also a big period of time where it was like, you know, why would I discuss this with children? They're children, they don't, you know, do they need to know the ins and outs of how I'm so deeply impacted by a traumatic career change? Um, those types of things, it didn't, it didn't really seem, seem super fitting. But now where I'm at, I really share, even with my 10 year old daughter, you know, I'll talk to her about my emotions. I'll talk to her about the, the reasons that I'm feeling something in response to just something that happened. And what I'm starting to see happen with her is that she's starting to be able to identify, hey, I'm feeling these emotions. It's okay that I'm feeling these emotions. These are the reasons why I feel like that. And she's just starting to already have an emotional intelligence that, you know, it took me 20 years of, you know, working on myself to, to be able to get to. 
Oh, that's so good. And thank you for acknowledging that. Like, really, I think it's really healthy for us to acknowledge our feelings and to be honest about them. And I really do think that that positively influences, you know, those who are around us as well, that we do have a choice to either, you know, choose fear and let fear dominate our lives, or we can choose joy in a more joyful way of living and kind of push through to whichever side you want to go to. Absolutely. Because, you know, that fear-based thinking, as soon as we find ourselves in that type of thinking and we allow ourselves to remain stuck there, what's the next thing that happens? We start self-sabotaging. It's just they come hand in hand. We get stuck in a place of questioning, you know, our worth. So we can do all the work and, you know, start moving through these things. And then that fear or that guilt like rears it rears its head and it starts to make us you know question our worthiness of the good things that are happening so you know one one example that I would say you know for me and I think that this probably relates to parents in general whether you have big gaps between your children or if your children have all been close together but once you start having more than one child there's this weird sense of guilt that comes along with, you know, as we grow as individuals and parents, we obviously become better parents. So we do better, you know, we tend to do better as we move through. And, and I, I work with so many people and experience this all the time in my own life, where there's guilt associated. Sometimes I'll feel bad about, you know, oh, I'm doing so well in this situation, whereas like with my first child, I didn't have the tools, I didn't have the knowledge or the experience yet as a parent. So sometimes what ends up happening is we get in that fear-based, that shame-based, guilt-based thinking, and it just stops us. We start to self-sabotage and we don't move forward. And when we do that, we're actually not serving anybody. Is it helping my oldest child if I've learned lessons through parenting him that I then don't apply to parenting his siblings? Absolutely not. That's so key what you said there. Is it serving them? So I think sometimes when we get swallowed up by whatever it is that we're going through and we start experiencing those feelings of guilt and shame and stress, anxiety about it, like I could do better and we start beating up on ourselves. I think sometimes we just have to acknowledge that, like what you just said there about, is it serving me to stay in this space or is it serving me and those that I care about to, you know, continue to push forward? Right. And I think that one of the key things here is as we sort of move through and we figure these things out, communicate it, you know, and, you know, it's like we figure them out for ourselves. But I think one of the biggest ways to sort of battle that parent guilt is like, I can have all of these realizations on my own. I can move through this process. But if I'm not sharing them with my son as I'm going through them, he's kind of left on his own to be trying to figure out, you know, what are moms, you know, oh, does, does mom love, you know, my brother or sister more than she loved me, you know, do they deserve these things more than I did, you know, or was I, was I a harder kid for mom, all those kinds of things. But when you can have these open dialogues of conversation and start to share that, you know, in my situation, my, my oldest son is 21. So he's, he's a young man. And it's really hard sometimes to put myself back in where I was the headspace I was at at that age. But I think it really just, it comes down to, we're never going to be perfect, acknowledge the areas where we've done wrong, and then try to be better. And so sometimes trying to be better means that, you know, 
we have to acknowledge the areas where we we haven't done so well in the past and that's a really liberating thing that helps us grow it also teaches the people around us that when things happen in your life that you feel guilt and shame about you don't have to have that knee-jerk response you know what is the typical response we have when we feel guilty about something and we're not in a state of being you know focused on our healing is we push away the thing that makes us feel guilty we don't want it near us because its presence makes us feel guilt so you know this happens so much in parenting you know we feel so bad about you know it's like okay we're going through a divorce i'm having a hard time being able to manage my emotions around the divorce and then the guilt the sort of guilt snowball starts going right because it's like well they, I, i'm having a hard time being in a positive mood around my children all of those kinds of things and it's like I really feel like we create more damage by that separation and that space that we create by those fear-based emotions and feelings. So it's like acknowledge them, discuss them. And, and you know, in so many ways, keep our kids a part of the, that process, right? Because all we're doing is, I think we oftentimes we're, we're sort of made to believe that we need to shelter and protect our kids from these sorts of things, that they don't need to think about big sort of life ideas. But the way that I see it is the more open and honest we are with them, the more tools we're giving them to be able to, you know, really embrace life as it's coming in ways and maybe avoid some of the sort of big dips that we ourselves had to go through as we were figuring these sorts of things out. Maybe those dips can be a little bit smaller for them because we can't protect them from what's to come in life. They're going to go through their experiences, but we can empower them with the tools to not let those things destroy them. Mm -hmm. And leadership is always through example. And I mean, leadership really is parenting because we're teaching our children because we're influencing them through our own example. You know, I don't know if you even recognized it, but this really hit me when you were just talking and I want to say it again because I feel like it's the best advice for every single one of us, but also for our children and just, just to move forward every day with this. This is what you said. Just try to be better tomorrow than you were today. I think that's brilliant advice, Amanda. Are you an entrepreneur growing a direct sales business from home? If you are, I am excited to offer you my newest course, The Secrets to Sales Success. This is your step-by-step -step guide to creating a successful direct sales business, no matter what product you sell. I know what it's like to be managing all the responsibilities of home and family while trying to grow your business. This course will help you get and keep customers. It will help you clarify what you want to achieve and find the motivation and focus to get it done. The program launches soon and the link with more information or to purchase is in the show notes or at coreless.ca. Now let's talk about living in the moment and how to find joy in life like right now. Okay, perfect. Um, in terms of finding joy and living in the moment, I think that that it comes from work. It's, you know, it's a concept, it's a phrase that we're told all the time, like, oh, just be in the moment. Um, but that's really hard to do without any practice or, you know, sort of discipline around it. So there's lots of ways for people to be able to do that. But I think one of the ways that we allow ourselves to get into the moment is by being able to recognize how to control our thoughts, right? So letting the thoughts come in, not staying stuck on them, allowing ourselves to, you know, recognize that if something comes up in a day that we have to deal with, you know, on Friday, 
let's take the time we need to as we sort of move through our week to prepare ourselves for what's to come on Friday, but we don't need to ruin our whole week because this thing is lingering on Friday. So, you know, finding, you know, the joy and being present in the moment in life, I think for myself comes from being able to recognize all of the things in life that we have to be grateful for. It comes from being able to slow down, to be reflective on, you know, what we're passionate about, um, where our worth actually comes from. And, you know, these things, they, they take time. So people, you know, I, I think my biggest advice to people is to be easy on yourself. If you set the goal for yourself that you want to live a life that is more joyful, that you want to, you know, experience the beauty that each day has to offer you, start by setting that intention and then creating more and more space for ways to include that in your life, opening yourself up to conversations with people, to reading a book, to listening to a podcast, to, you know, whatever those methods are that will start to allow you to bring in some more healthy principles into your life so that you can begin to enjoy your life in that way. So can I ask you, I, I talk an awful lot about, um, you know, the importance of a morning routine. And I know, and I'm going to just be really honest about it, that my life is so much more filled with gratitude and peace and happiness and joy when I start my day intentionally with my morning routine. And when I don't, I definitely notice a difference. Can you share with us like how you build that into your life? Is that do you have a morning routine or how do you practice those healthy principles that you were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the thing for me was one of the things that helped me get healthy really quick was I unbusied myself. I was so, so busy, but that was a process, right? That doesn't just happen. Um, but you, you know, because what ends up happening is we have so much to get done. You know, we're working nine to five jobs. We have children, we have all of these commitments. So thinking about, you know, I remember when I first sort of stumbled into the morning sort of power hour, um, that whole sort of concept, I was just like, I don't even know how to create that time in my life. I just didn't see where, where that space could come from. But what ends up happening in my experience in life is if you don't start to create the space for the things that you need, life will create that space for you. And the ways that it does it, it are not often, you know, very, very nice ways. But one of the key things that that has been, I've, I have to have a morning routine, you know, for myself, since Ethan, uh, since Ethan died, mornings are actually the, I don't know what the right word is, if they're like the hardest or the most intense part. But when I first open my eyes in the morning, it's kind of like, even with all the work I'm doing, the last thought on my mind before I go to bed at night and the first thing that I think about when I wake up in the morning it are those kind of not so great details, you know, like the, the really kind of traumatic parts of, of what happened in losing Ethan and they're so very vivid and they're so very there. So for me, I can't be one of those people who lays around in my bed all morning because that'll leave me in those thoughts and it keeps me um, it gets me into a place of feeling quite depressed. So, you know, over the course of the last couple of years now, I guess 20 months it's been, um, as soon as I open my eyes in the morning, I'm up and I get myself a cup of coffee. I take time with my coffee to just sit. 
I am myself personally the most productive in the morning. So that's the time when I like to get my emailing done, my administrative work, all of those sorts of things. I give myself the morning to do that. And then I leave my afternoons to be able to do things that are good for my soul, you know, connections with people, coffee, you know, um, going for a walk, taking just care of things that don't, aren't part of my to-do list, so to speak. But yeah, so, you know, that, that sort of morning, morning routine for me is pretty much the same every single morning. And, you know, sometimes due to being on vacation or what have you, it won't, uh, it won't, I won't have that morning routine. And the thing is, is I'm easy on myself about it, but I can definitely start to feel the tension and the anxiety and things starting to build up in me when, um, when I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I so relate to that. Okay, I really love what you said there about how to unbusy yourself. <laughs> okay, so kind of take us back. I want to peel that back just a little bit. So unbusy yourself, because I'm certain that almost everybody who's listening to this episode is like, I'm so busy. I can't take this quiet time in the morning. And you said it's a process. So how did you start to build that into your life? Okay, so the first way that I started to build it into my life was to recognize that I wanted it. And, you know, even recognizing that I wanted it came with resistance because I'm sure I'm not the only one of us who feels this way, but I feel in so many ways being a member of our society, being a woman in our society, our, so much of our worth is tied up in how busy we are. You know, we hear this all the time, our conversations with people like, oh, hi, like, how's it going? Oh, I'm so busy. How about you? You know, that whole thing. And it was really interesting because, you know, once COVID happened, um, that was like the majority of my client work that was coming in was women being like, I've never had so much time to just be at home before. Like I, 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 I've always felt like if I wasn't working so hard every single day that like something would fall apart. And so that there was all of a sudden this very big forced pause for everybody and everybody had to sort of come into, you know, figuring out how to become comfortable in this space. And it was really, really uncomfortable for a lot of people, you know, Um, But the thing that I hear more and more from so many of those people, you know, that I was working with back in March is like, now it's about, okay, as things start to merge back into going back to quote unquote normal, whatever that is, how do I make it so my life isn't like it was before? How can I take the elements of slowing down and those types of things and incorporate it in? So I think that, you know, having the idea there and then recognizing that, unbusying yourself it requires more than just clearing your schedule it really requires a change in mindset and challenging some of those emotions that tell you that you're only good enough if you're producing you're only good enough if you're serving someone those those sorts of things so it comes from you know being able to learn how to say no from being able to learn how to set boundaries from giving up on people pleasing um those types of things and you know that that's a lot of work i obviously had a really hard you know there was a big line in my life but that was one of the big things that i went through when i switched careers you know i went from being a senior executive to um in a, in a very political environment, a very corrupt environment that ended very, very abruptly and, you know, had followed 18 months of pretty um, traumatizing work and, and toxic work conditions 
to then, you know, going from being so busy every day to having nothing to do. And it drove me crazy. I had no idea what to do with my time. I had been so focused on career and family. And like at this stage, my kids were, you know, older, they were doing, doing lots of, you know, I just didn't have the same type of responsibilities. So, you know, even in, and, and that was scary for me. You know, I went from making all, uh, I had a very, very uh, financially secure lifestyle. I, you know, I, I worked a decade as a senior executive. I, I did well for myself and then I had nothing. And so I, over the course of a few years, had to build myself back up into, you know, earning income, all those types of things. And so I, I actually got myself into a position where I was right back where I had started. You know, I was working a full-time job, working a nine-to-five job. I, I had two serving jobs on top of that, in addition to trying to get a business off the ground. And this was all leading up to the time right before Ethan died. And so when Ethan died, everything stopped. And I got to be really purposeful about what I let back in. And so, you know, just, I, I say to people, as I sort of said before, when you recognize you need something and you're not giving it to yourself, the universe will often intervene. So, you know, let yourself become aware of what you want and, you know, set that intention, start creating the little practices around how that's going to work. And then be patient with yourself on the timeline. Because one of the things that, I've experienced is like when we talk about concepts of manifestation and visualization, it's like I'm, I'm at a place where I feel like I can make things happen pretty quickly with the power of my mind. But I also recognize that things never come to me the way that I expect that they will. So it's about opening your, you know, I, I want to create more time in my life so that I can spend time with my kids. Okay, great. Well, you set that intention, something might happen in a couple of months, like a world a world pandemic that now has you at home being able to spend the, the time the time with those children right so it's like okay right you know so many times it's we end up getting the things that we've asked for but we aren't quite emotionally ready to take to take it on so yeah I think it's just in set the intention and then just you know begin to create the space to allow yourself to become less busy Oh, I like that so much. You know, there was a funny thing going around because as most people know that follow my work at all, I really start people with the process of creating a vision board because it's it's a way of defining what it is that you want and then visualizing it. So it's it's just been a powerful process for me over the years and I teach it often. And at the beginning of this year, when COVID first happened, people were sending me this funny little meme that was, you know, 2020, uh, my vision didn't look anything like this. And I started thinking about some of the vision board workshops that I've done over the last year or so. And I was thinking, are you sure you didn't get what you wanted? Because as I reflected on so many of the people who presented their boards, they talked about having more time at home, more time with their families. And I was like, hey, just a second here. You maybe didn't get it as you expected, meaning a world pandemic, you know, forced you to stay at home. But maybe you got what you wanted after all. Absolutely. And I think you and I uh, have this conversation early on as well, because as I was sort of saying, I feel like I set these intentions and things happen in my life quite quickly. But my biggest intention sort of from a business perspective going into this year was, you know, at the end of 20, uh, 2019, I had about 5% of my business max 
was um, online or international. And my goal for this year was to move my business primarily online. And that was scary for me. I didn't, I thought that was going to be, you know, that was going to take some time. And then three months later, I was operating completely in that space. And the transition was relatively quite smooth. So I was like, huh, you know, this wasn't what I anticipated, but it was the goal that I set for myself. <laughs> That's so funny. Sometimes it shows up quite the opposite of what we wanted or what or not. No, we get what we want, but it shows up differently than we might have expected. So just to kind of summarize just in, you know, kind of layman's terms here for the audience, to unbusy yourself, the process is know exactly what you want. So define that first. Know that you want more time. You want to enjoy the things that are important to you. And then start giving up some of the things that really don't matter. They don't align with what it is that you want. Set boundaries. Say no. And was there a final step? Um, I think I think that that's it. I think it's acknowledge it, create space for it, create space to unbusy yourself, and then also be easy on yourself as you start to experience some of those emotions, right? When you start to notice that like, hey, I'm sort of getting everything that I've asked for and everything that I wanted. How come I'm not happy? How come I'm feeling irritable? How come I'm still feeling stressed? And so often that is rooted in our self-worth. And the things that we've attached our worth to, we're letting go of things that we, on a subconscious level, have attached so much of our worth and identity to that we're experiencing a little bit of a grieving and loss process from that. So rather than fight those emotions, recognize that they're showing up because our body's trying to tell us we need to move through them. And then, you know, do whatever you need to do to be able to release them. So for some people, that's going to therapy. For some people, that's exercise. For some people, that's sitting in a bathtub with a glass of wine. Like, just start to give yourself some space to be able to release. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, as you know, Amanda, I'm really big on personal growth. And I just want to ask you, and I know I never prepped you for this, but on a scale of 1 to 10, how important is personal growth and like that self-discovery journey and immersing yourself in the personal development side of things? How important is that from your perspective? If it's on a scale of one to 10, then it's for sure a 10. Um, I think that we, our entire life is a journey of personal development and growth. We might go through periods of life where that growth is slower or it might be, um, you know, kind of, halted a little bit in ways that, um, sorry, it might be halted by our life experiences, right? We kind of go through these experiences where, you know, when our babies are first born, where it's like, okay, our focus is really on, you know, parenting a newborn and those kinds of things. Um, we don't necessarily think that we're going through a lot of personal growth and development. We don't realize how much we are actually until we come sort of out of the other side of that. But personal growth and development, we are never going to have this life figured out. We're never going to know all the answers as we continue to move through the things like the things that we learn along the way that help us survive something that help us succeed in something. Uh, sometimes we do ourselves a big disservice by staying stuck to those practices because they worked in the thing we did before my experience. What I've learned is that that's constantly evolving and the lesson that we use we went through something five years ago, that isn't going to apply 100% here. And things are going to be triggered. So we're constantly in, in a process of, I don't, I don't know if it's been true for you, Corliss, but for myself, it's almost like the more I heal, the more I grow, the more I develop, 
well, then something will come on my plate that just shows me that there's a whole other side of something that I need to start looking at. So it never really stops. And I think that the moment that we think we've got it all figured out, we're opening ourselves up to some pretty big um, and catastrophic heartache because, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a really good friend of mine um, a couple of days ago, you know, and he's young, he's 21. He's a, he, he lives in the house here with us and, you know, he's just got this plan for life and he's got it so detailed. And this is exactly how I need to handle the next five, you know, the five-year plan and all of these sorts of things, but there's no room for any of those things to go wrong. And, you know, so it's like, we need to make sure, and that was one of the things that I said, I was like, your plan is wonderful. This sounds incredible. But I would just encourage you to open up some space for the fact that things probably aren't going to go exactly the way you want them to. But that doesn't mean that they're going to turn out bad. They can turn out better than you ever expected. Oh, that that is just such a brilliant conversation, such a great thought, because often my son, who is not even 14 years old yet, and he's just so like, I know what I'm doing. This is how my life's going to go. And it just makes me smile listening to you because we just have to learn to embrace life and embrace the journey, whatever it is, and uh, just almost enjoy it and just get excited about the idea that we get to restart any time and that we can continually learn and and that's really the beauty of it, isn't it? I agree. And I think that, you know, that that sort of point that I don't know, my lesson has been that I have learned is any time that I've thought that I've had it figured out, I never have. And sometimes the realization of that or things not working out the way that you expected, the loss, the disappointment, all of those things that are associated with that. Whereas now it's like, okay, I'm on this general path. These are the things that matter to me. These are the things that are more important to me. The clearer I get about that, the more of these things I start bringing in. But I recognize that sometimes the path is going to veer and I have no idea what that's going to be, but I know that whatever it is, I'm going to learn what needs to be learned. I'm going to change what needs to be changed and I'm going to get through it. Oh, I love that. Define these are the things that matter to me. So good. So good. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I have three questions that I always ask my guests before I close things off. But I wanted to ask you if you would agree with the statement, every day is a chance to change your life. And why, if you do agree with that? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that 100%. It's kind of like this. I always say, you know, we... This idea that things can't change overnight and it's true the you know the exact circumstance that you you're in might not change overnight but actually things do change overnight they do change in a moment and they, they change when we you know make the choice to change them so you know if I, uh, if I decide today that I am going to change something about my life, something about my circumstance, well, it might be so big that I'm not going to, the change isn't going to manifest itself tomorrow, but I'm starting the momentum. And with each day that passes, that momentum grows and grows. And as it does with the momentum, eventually it just gets so big, it has to happen. 
Mm, I love it. Momentum is an amazing thing. I always visualize a train, you know, when it first gets going, it's like, has to work really hard. It's like chugging to try and get going. But then once it gets going, it's completely unstoppable. And that's the beauty of momentum. And that's the beauty of the choices that you make to push through, to move forward every day. And once you get it going, you're going to be just like a runaway train, right? Absolutely. And I think that that momentum works both ways, you know, going back to something that you mentioned before that, um, you know, we, we tend to talk about anytime we talk and that's that concept of victimization right when we are on that when we're on that train of victimizing ourselves and staying in that that momentum can feel really really huge you know and that for me and in, in my life has been there's nothing that you can halt quicker that will do more good for you in your life than that victim mentality as soon as we get stuck in that place of why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. You know, we, we, we shut ourselves down. We, you know, so it's like, yes, the, the moment, that momentum of the victim and it happens to us for a whole bunch of very valid reasons. And, you know, we have the compounding of it as we move through things, but it's like, once you learn how damaging that victim mentality is through your life experience, you really recognize that once that starts going, that's the momentum you need to stop immediately. Holy smokes, did you just speak fire there? I love that. Remember that everyone, you have a choice, victim or lead. You can choose to lead or you can choose to be a victim, but you always have a choice. Now, Amanda, where can people connect with you if they'd like to? Um, they can connect with me through a, through a few places. Um, uh, my Instagram account, just Amanda Smetanyak, um on Instagram, is where I'm really highlighting the majority of my sort of journey through my experience in losing Ethan and what my life is like after after his death. Um, and there's some, a couple of other links to blogs and what have you there. Um, they can also connect with me through my business. I am a hypnotherapist. So uh, my business is Elevation Hypnosis. Um, so yeah, those Facebook uh, as well, just my first and last name, any social media and my business website would be the best place. Excellent. Thanks so much. Well, before I ask you the three closing questions, I really just want to say that quite honestly, from my heart to yours, I just want you to know that today and every day you really inspire us because if you can find joy in your life after all that you've been through, it really does, you know, empower the rest of us to choose the same. And I want to thank you for the amazing example that you are and the leader that you are. Thank you. Thank you. Now, the three closing questions, because I speak about leadership all the time. If you could, you know, summarize in one sentence, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership means, what leadership means to me is an ability to be able to take your life experiences, to recognize what you've been through, to be able to connect with others based on that shared experience, and then offer them real meaningful ways of being able to create change in their lives based on the change that you've made yourself. Awesome. Lead by example, for sure. That's what I heard there. And now if there was a book or a podcast that was really, you know, I guess it created change for you or that you really feel that everybody should check out knowing that you've probably read a lot yourself, would, is there anything you'd want to recommend? 
Um, sure. There, uh, there are a ton of books that I would recommend to people, but I, you know, I'm going to go with something a little bit less conventional than what I would typically go with just because it's a book that I am, uh, I'm reading right now and I'm really enjoying and it's, you know, it's related to this whole concept of unbusying ourselves and, you know, lifestyle creation and all those types of things. So it's a book um, by Timothy Ferris and it's called the four hour work week. And, um, you know, there's a lot of really, really inspiring things in there that can start to help people recognize that there are other ways of living our lives and working and creating income and all of those sorts of things that can facilitate our healing and our growth. They don't have to be separate from each other. Oh, I'm quite excited that you recommended that book because I, I bet you I read that book about two years ago and I always meant to go back to it because I also found it to just have so many golden nuggets in it and I personally would like to continue unbusying myself so thanks for that. Um, now the final final closing question based on all of the highs and all of the lows I mean you've shared so many brilliant um, strategies with us already but if there was one lesson that you wanted to leave us with what would it be? Oh yeah that's a big one. Um, I think the the one lesson based on everything that I've gone through and the things that I've learned up until this point is to be easy on yourself to, and by be easy, I don't mean be lazy. I mean, be easy, you know, set your intentions, do your work, but be gentle and compassionate with yourself as you move through your process, surround yourself with people who genuinely support you. And yeah, just, you know, forget about what you what you know you ex what your expectations were for this life and let yourself instead open up to the possibilities of being curious about what this life has to offer be curious about what's to come be curious about the hardships you're going to be you experience the strength that you're going to experience because when we open ourselves up to being curious we are able to remove that element of being critical of ourselves and we just do so much damage to ourselves by unnecessarily criticizing ourselves talking small about ourselves and keeping ourselves down we can really change our lives and that starts by changing our thoughts what an amazing close give yourself grace be curious and be very aware of your thoughts thank you again for joining us today amanda it's been an absolute pleasure sharing this conversation with you thank you corliss If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.